What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Squire. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well, and we are officially now on Spotify. Just type in keyword TSK show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. On this episode of the TSK show, there is a lot to cover as it has been nine days since we last recorded and so much has happened. Tyler and I discuss everything going on in the NBA playoffs as we are in the thick of the conference semifinals now. We definitely have to go back to the first round, though, and discuss a few things we missed since we last recorded. We talked about it a few weeks ago when players were announcing they would be entering their names into the draft pool, but the big three draft happened Wednesday night, so Tyler and I recap some of the highlights. To close the show, we share our thoughts on what happened in the NFL draft and what we think of the draft picks made by both the Seahawks and the Rams. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, TP? How you been, man? Well, I just read this crazy stat while we were burning time, and it's it's there's nowhere else to fit it, but I gotta say it. Okay, go for All it. All right, in 2018, 2019, during the regular season. The uh, NBA shooters made 27,955 threes. Now, it's been going up, like, every year, right? Like, right. pretty pretty good. And that's that's a crazy amount of threes for 82 games. Uh, 27,955 three-pointers made. That's more than the entire 80s. <laughs> um, in the 80s, they made – in the 1980s, they made 23,871. Wait, you're telling me – in one year, the NBA players made more threes than an entire decade? This year, yeah. And so that tells you how fast it's rising because we would have saw this stat last year if they would have beat that 23,000 mark. So last year it was probably under 23,000, and then this year it jumped to almost 28,000. Wow. So the three is just like rising and rising and rising. And it was based, it was like an article based off the quote of like um, Pop back in November talking about basketball is like not fun anymore. Or it's not. Is like something interesting. He said it's like not as fu- I shouldn't quote him, but <laughs> it's like not as fun. Or, don't don't or take Tyler like, at his word right now. Yeah, uh, there's no basketball anymore. There's no beauty in it. Interesting. That's what he said. That's the real quote. I'd argue there's still uh, a lot of beauty. And then in it basketball. just talks about like the three pointer and yeah, this this <laughs> that's <laughs> this pretty crazy. More than the eighties. Wow. All right. Well, from that regular season stat, let's go to the playoffs. The first round is over. We're in the thick of the conference semifinals. The first round was all chalk. All the top seeds won. Only two sweeps. Only one game seven. Pretty lackluster first round in my. You eyes. think so? I thought so. I th- I thought it was some. I thought there was some pretty good basketball being played. There was. I mean, there was good. Definitely good basketball being played. But I mean, the four team, the four top teams won each conference. Yeah, but there was a lot of drama in, in some and of those series. There was more drama, uh, like... Off the court, like, I guess. Not even off the court. I mean, the drama was on the court, but it was more of, like, the mental game than actually basketball. Yeah. 
that's fair. But like like I said, we're in the conference semifinals now. We got the one versus the four seed and the two versus the three seed in both conferences. We got Bucks versus Celtics tied at one to one. And this round is, I think, it, uh, starting out exceptional and gonna be exceptional oh, all the way through. Yeah, there's just to kind of reverse it on the first round. Like these are big time basketball teams facing off, and there's already there's already been uh, more losses or the same amount of losses in the Eastern Conference as there was in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, when you put it like that, when there's two sweeps and right. two four ones, but uh, no, I mean, listen, there's there's a lot of heavyweight matchups in this round, and some of the some of these matchups should be considered the conference finals. I mean, I think there's three matchups that have six, uh, like title contending teams. Oh, in, for sure. In, in most eras, now I think Golden State's kind of set their bar at a different place, but. All those other teams, man, those are like, that's a good enough basketball team to win a title in most eras. Yeah, for sure. So we got the Bucks and the Celtics in the one and the four matchup in the East, tied at one to one. We got the Raptors and the Sixers in the two three matchup, and it's halftime right now. Philly's up uh, 64 to 53 in game three, which is the first home game for Philly mm-hmm. in the conference semifinals. That series is tied up one to one. Now in the Western Conference, the Warriors and the Rockets in the one-four matchup. The Warriors are up two to nothing, and then the Nuggets and the Blazers in the two-three matchup. That series is tied one to one, and that most recent game was last night. Uh, pretty exciting game, but we'll get into that in a little bit. We have to go back though to the end of the first round of a couple of series. I want to start obviously with Damian Lillard and the shot to put away the Oklahoma City Thunder because you we could have just said the shot <laughs> it'd have been fine you're right you're right the shot there have been five walk-off series clinching buzzer beaters in NBA history and Damian Lillard has two of them and the only player with more than one yeah I watched the I watched the Rockets one earlier today that was the second year in the league when he yeah. hit that that he it was against Dwight's Rockets yeah and uh, crushed him yeah that was, that was, they were not expected to win that series. No. And after the game, Damian Lillard obviously had some words for Russell Westbrook because they were obviously going back and forth the yeah. entire series. Yeah. Uh, he said he's been busting my ass for years. That wasn't true for one, and this was the moment of truth. This was the perfect platform and opportunity for him to prove it, and you see what happened. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I hate, it's tough to – it's tough to like talk about this subject because I love both guys. So do I. I I, uh, I love that they're both competitive, so it doesn't really matter. There's no real like loser in this battle, you know. I stand by I stand by the question on a couple episodes like Russ or Lillard, and I'll still take Russ. You Lillard, would you would still take Russ? I would still take Russ. I just think eight in an eighty-two game season and in a seven-game series, he does more for you. But I mean, it, it's just like, but I, like I said before, Lillard's killer mentality is like, you have to have that to win a national, uh, national title. <laughs> you have to win that to win a championship. Yeah. Um, so he's got something that like is really, you know, it's tough to get and it makes, makes you look really good. And that was like, that was a performance that was unbelievable and he's on top right now. So he's going to ride it. And don't forget that um, capped but off. But Russ is a, you know, Russ is a, a an MVP, a guy yeah. that's been to the NBA finals. He's, I don't think this has taken away anything from him. Uh, I don't think that Russ has been a failure in the playoffs the last three years. No, I think uh, it's it's hard it's it's hard to say he's not a failure when he hasn't won. But I mean, listen, he's still 
doing everything he can, giving it all he can. I think that they that first year when he won MVP, they needed every single ounce of his triple doubles to make the playoffs. Yeah, oh, 100%. That team was left in wake after Kevin Durant left. He got uh, the average on the last game yeah, of the season. And then, you know, how last year went with OK3, with Melo and Paul George. Um, that one was probably the most disappointing of the three years. Like, coming into that season with the big, you know, with Melo and Paul George and Russ, you expect to get out of the first round, and they didn't. Um, but I, I still just don't think this is anything on Russ. I don't think Russ is the issue. Uh, and Lillard was just a killer right there. I mean, yeah. he, he was motivated, and he got the best of Russ right now. And so he has every excuse to talk, all the talk. He, he deserves it. That's the best buzzer beater I think I've ever seen. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, Might be. I really don't know. Like, off top, I just don't know of any better – just the wa- just the way it all went down. Fifty points. Yeah. It, series clinching. It capped off. He a- dribbled it and he's right. I mean, Paul George knew he's not gonna drive it at that point. He was dribbling the ball with three seconds left. The ball was in his hands with three seconds left. You gotta you know that that shot's going up and oh, he was yeah. comfortable and God, I've seen Dame do this too many times. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean listen. That was the best one ever. For for it to cap off a fifty piece, for it to cap off a series clinching yeah. Yeah. victory. But it's like this time last year, Dame got swept by the Pelicans. Yeah. You know, and they got worked by Ronda and Drew Holiday. So uh, he's on top right now. So he does, he he can talk. And, and Russ has got to kind of just, you know, hold his head high and get through this because he, he will. Um, and at the end of the day, both those guys are going to be viewed as one of the greatest ever. Yeah, for sure. It just sucks that right now it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the KD LeBron right now. Last year, LeBron and Mike, Kobe and Bron. Like you don't have to tear down one to yeah, like, like sure. the other. It just you know these are guys that are fiery and talk. So like one's gonna lose. You know what I mean? It's just like a fighter. Like just because you know they were talking all this shit and lost doesn't mean they're like changing anything about it. You know? Right. And I mean I said it. I said it last week. It's there's so many different storylines that you could intertwine into the Russ and Dame narrative with like oakland la adidas nike or adidas jordan small nike whatever school, big school small school big school portland yeah all the, all that all that and everything that it encompasses uh it was it was an incredible series to watch um now after the game obviously paul george probably a little bit salty uh after getting that in his uh getting that shot right in his face he he said it was a bad shot the quote was that that's a bad shot. I don't care what anybody says. That's a bad shot, but Hey, he made it. That story won't be told. That's it. That's it. It's a bad shot. You live with that. That's just be. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. Cause it's like, he's, he's right, but he, but he's wrong. No, he's a hundred percent wrong. Because you know what I mean, it's like the timing of it. It just, you just look like a poor sport, a sour loser, well, but that's fine. Like whatever, be a fucking poor sport. Who cares? It was a bad, like it, you know, in most, scenarios that's like a bad shot he just happened to hit it he's right listen to this there's a lot of shots that go one or two ways you know and it would be a great shot or a terrible shot rachel nichols who works for espn she's the host of the jump uh along with the video of the post game press conference clip of paul george saying this uh she had damian lillard's stats from 30 plus that night and yeah. he, he was four of six from from 30 no, plus that night and, and like you have to put into account who you're guarding but Listen, i'm just saying his entire life of basketball 
That's the shot he wants you to take. That's his be- You taking that shot is their best chance at winning. That's that's what he meant by that. Well, hundred percent. It just cut. It just came out bad. Like after a loss, that's the only thing. Yeah, he's right. I think you know because that is like what you want. But, but it's at- just it's Damian Lillard, so you have to put that into account. He'd been hot, and it's for the series. Like, you know, there's no excuses. But it was you know it's not a shot that always goes in. Yeah, listen. Paul George is right. It's a bad shot for for everyone else, not named Damian Lillard. He was eight of twelve from for the series from thirty plus feet out. Yeah, but you're just not even used to guarding people out there. You got you got to guard Damian out yeah. there. No, but it's like Paul George wasn't matched up on him all game. You know what I mean? He doesn't have that like game plan embedded in his head. Yeah. I just you know I see where Paul George is coming from. He just comes off as like sour. Oh, 100% about he comes it. off as but sour. But, like, everyone's – you're going to be sour about that, dude. I mean, I've lost in game winners. It yeah. sucks, dude. It's like a dagger, and a lot of the times it's not the best shot. No. You know what I mean? And, and it's a it's fluke, just, usually. And then, it, and then it's just like, boom, he missed it. We won like we were supposed to. It goes on as normal. You never think about it no. unless they hit it. And then yeah. it's like, that's fucking – you know, like, we won the whole game up until, like, this guy throws up this shot. Now they walk away the winner. Yeah. No, Totally. Uh, I brought it up last week when Russ told Dame that he'd been busting his ass for years. Uh, Dame had gone on to score 31, 50, 30, 29, 24, and now you add another 50-piece. The series-clinching buzzer beater, probably the greatest series-clinching buzzer beater ever. Yeah, obviously much more motivated to score than Russell is. He's much more motivated to make it known that he's better than Russell. I mean, he's obviously more motivated – and Russell is an extremely motivated and competitive guy. Yeah. But I don't think Russell is think, thinks about Lillard like Lillard thinks about Russell because Russell gets all the praise. Russell's always on top of the lists. Yeah. And Lillard is kind of seems to, other than like, you know, he, he was like, other than maybe the last two years, he was always like incredibly underrated. For sure. Definitely. And Russell, Russell obviously and Russell's does have never acc- been underrated. Yeah. He has the acc- accolades, but now he's catching, he's catching a lot of heat. Uh, for his play style, which I don't agree with. I don't think you agree with it either. It's just easy. I mean, this whole, like, first-round exit thing. For There's been a ton of stars that this is the case. There's been a lot of stars that don't win championships. I just don't think a, a player's legacy lives and dies with the success in a team sport in the playoffs. Yeah. Now the other and, and he's got so many years left in him. So if he make if he wins like yeah. three first round uh, series in a row for the next three years, like is anyone ever going to talk about this little three year window where he didn't leave the first round? But it was like, you know, pr- arguably the worst rosters he played on his whole career. Yeah, exactly. Now the other series I wanted to talk about in the first round was the Nuggets and the Spurs. And we talked last week about how home home court advantage in the NBA might not be as big of a deal anymore. Uh, But I think the end of this Spurs Nuggets series uh, really showed that home court is still huge. Uh, My phone was dead. My and and like I've been texting Corey and and like when it happened, I could I I was lost for words. It blew my (laughs) mind. I couldn't believe what I watched. It was like it it the only thing I compare it to is when the whole like. Uh, like Belichick fighting with was it Gronk or oh yeah or was it Brady? I'm not. I don't remember who it was, but I know what you're talking about. It's like it's just like what? Not from this organization, you know? It's like pop. I guess in last year, Pop and Kawhi. It was just like so uncharacteristic of the Spurs to drop that. 
Yeah, so at the end of the game, the Spurs were down, and the entire coaching staff was trying to tell the Spurs to foul. I watched this whole game because I was so <laughs> invested in the Nuggets losing that game <laughs> seven. Uh, so the the Spurs were basically the, – the coaching staff was telling them to foul, and the Spurs never got the chance to tie the game because none of the players fouled. And now the players not being able to hear the coaches shouldn't be an excuse – these these guys should know time, score, situation. Like, they thought these fucking players are lying if they say that they don't think that they were down three or something, which still, even if you're down three, I still got to foul that. We got to make this team make free throws, and we got to try to trade buckets and get 100%. Some, you know what I mean? Everybody knows this, and it's just to come from the Spurs, it just didn't make any sense at all, um, and it gave – I'm just mad because I don't think the Nuggets wanted that game. And I and I thought I was about to be proven right. I just I thought that their lack of a killer at the end was why they were gonna lose. Yeah. And in the last possession, then when they were down two, um, with like under a minute to go, um, and and Jamal Murray hits that big time runner, that high floater yep. to go up four. In that possession, Jamal Murray passed the ball. And Jokic passed it twice. Yep. Those so they both those those both of those guys and this was my exact scenario when we broke this down. It's like they're like, what are you gonna end with? Are you gonna have a high post action with Jamal Murray and Jokic? Neither one of these guys, I don't think, is necessarily want, looking to shoot. They're looking to be a playmaker. Right, exactly. You got your two. Unless best. for some stupid reason someone goes un, like under a screen on Jamal so he can shoot a three. But that's never gonna happen. And they both pass it up. Jokic twice in the last possession, and Jamal Murray makes a play and gets it off, and he hits it, and they deserve it. They want, yeah. But they they had problems closing that that whole. They had to lead that whole entire game, and they could never like pull away from the Spurs. It was like right at you know eight to twelve mark that whole game, yeah. And then when they when that run came in the fourth, they couldn't stop it, and. And the Spurs fucking blew it, man. Oh, they completely blew it. I think the Spurs lost that game. I don't think necessarily the Nuggets like won, went out and won the game, and which is why I don't believe in this team like for deep playoff runs because I just don't know. Like, yeah, they closed that series out, but that was like by the that was a by a slim margin, I think. Yeah, definitely. It was it was definitely luck. Because and the, I hate the, to use that word in sports because you know Jamal Murray has probably shot you know a million runners in his life so it's like, but again it's just it wasn't a great shot no. and it was rushed. He was getting it up because the clock the shot clock had winded down because they were passing so much, and uh, it went in. But and even so, the Spurs should have been had a chance to win the game. Even so, hitting that shot. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, the Spurs had every chance to to try and get themselves back into the game and cut the lead and they never they never could it and then it came to a mental lapse uh and an error in judgment uh and you can you can toss it to not being able to hear the coaches but you you gotta know time and situation you're in the nba they they miss open shots i mean like i said they lost i mean the spurs did everything they could to lose that game and they still almost won it and that's that's kind of – and it's like – that's why I was, like, so pissed because Denver was doing exactly what I thought they were going to do, but they made it through. Yeah. So this was, this was, this was an interesting stat I found on the internet uh, on lovely Twitter. It's the first time ever the Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche, the hockey team, uh, <laughs> the both, both won a playoff series in the same season. 
I mean, that's not very surprising. That's probably. Well, that's, that's pretty. Lot, that's that's pretty lot. cool for the yeah. city of Denver. No, no, that is. They're rolling right they now. They share. They share a building, so I'm not sure. Really sure how the scheduling is going to work out with that. But I'm well, sure I they mean, got it figured out. Staples Center has fucking. <laughs> Staples Center's got everything. They got four teams, so I, they figure it out. Yeah. All right. Now, now that we're done with the first round, let's uh, let's wrap up this Blazers and Nuggets talk. Yeah. With what's actually happening now. So watching game one, the Blazers didn't really have anybody to stop Jokic because Cantor was ruled out. It was uncertain if he was actually going to play at all during this series. Uh, he ends up coming back for game two, and he really made his presence known. He had a big impact on the game, especially on the defensive end, really controlling Jokic. And, and in game two, Portland's bench really stepped up, uh, especially Rodney Hood and Zach Collins. And I'm, I can't believe Denver lost – with how the rebounding situation worked out. But then when you look at their three-point numbers, and like you said at the top of the show, all these three-point shots that they made this entire year, outscoring an entire decade, the three-point shot's very important in today's NBA. And It's the first thing you look at. Exactly. The rebounding numbers for, for Denver and Portland in Game 2 were 69-58 to 58 in favor of Denver. On the offensive end, it was 23-7. to 7 in favor of Denver. But Offensive rebound is just a it's a tough one because I don't it's not necessarily a very good like telling stat. But it's a hustle stat. It's a hustle stat, but that it doesn't necessarily equate to like a winning formula, you know, just because you're cleaning up on the offensive glass. A that means you're missing shots. And, well and yeah. And it's like so, you know, in turn if you're shooting that second second shot, you know, you might be missing those ones too. But you, you better you, make odds are you're not making hundred percent of those either. Yeah. But what really what really got him was shooting six of twenty nine from three. That'll do it. But you gotta shoot that many, you know, you gotta keep shooting. Yeah. I mean, listen, so I still I, think I mean we just we just talked about it. I, we don't really have much faith in Denver. We didn't think they would be here now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which I, I mean, which is crazy. I mean, they they were the two seed in the in the Western Conference. They've done everything. I just, you know, People like watch just watching watch Kyrie, watch Dame, you know, watch KD, watch them put a team away. Yeah, it's just the Denver Nuggets. I mean, they have a great they team. A they don't have anybody that can do that. I just don't know if I can bet on Jamal Murray and Jokic. Really, Jokic can Jokic can play. They just really need like if Jamal Murray, you know, if that shot gives them confidence to really be that guy. Where like I want the rock in my hands because I need to put this team away. They're too close. Um, until that happens, yeah, I just I still can't I I still can't get behind Denver winning the series, so I gotta I I gotta roll with Portland. Yeah, I think I think Portland ultimately wins this series. Denver has more talent, and I think a better top to bottom roster than Portland. I just Dame Willard being a killer right now, can't bet against him, and he has enough production from the rest of his guys to where I think they'll beat Denver. I th I think the series is going seven though. That'd be wild. That'd be wild for uh, for old Denver. That pissed me off if they get to the Western <laughs> Conference Finals off of two games. You've, you've hated Denver for a solid two, two years. It's not hate, man. It's not hate. Well, just, you don't have any faith in them, it's that's just for like, sure. It, well, it, it turns into hate because they're the team that I was, like, wrong about. Yeah. So it's not like I don't. You're rooting against I, them. Yeah, it's not like I don't. Uh, I don't give them props. I give them props for props are due. But until the – until they earn it, I don't give it to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
they missed the playoffs last year. I didn't give them any respect that entire year, and then they ended up blowing it and not making the playoffs. So I was right. <laughs> this year I was wrong. Yeah. Now, all right, the game that's going on tonight is the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Toronto Raptors. There's nine minutes and ten seconds left in the third quarter. It's 71-57 to Philadelphia. Now, the series is tied one-to-one. Toronto won the first game. Philly won the, f- the second game. In the first game, Kawhi Leonard became the second player in Raptors history to score 40-plus in a playoff game by scoring 45 uh, versus Sixers. And Vince Carter is the other player who scored 50 in 2001. It was also Kawhi's playoff career high, and it happened the same night Game 7 of the Nuggets and Spurs series happened. So, obviously, he got his career high, playoff career high the same night his former team got sent home from the playoffs. Nice little circle. Of, actually, will feel good there. Yeah, nice little circle of life coming around uh, for Kawhi this season. Then Philly won the second game, and it was Philly's first win in Toronto, either regular season or playoffs, since 2012. So that's a that's a huge win for Philly. Big momentum booster and big momentum shifter. Obviously, being able to steal one uh, of the first two games from Toronto at home. Coming home to two games at home now, they're clearly dominating this game. Looking at looking at the box score right now, Joel Embiid's got nine, uh, 21 and nine. Tobias Harris got 11 points. Jimmy Butler's got 11 points. JJ Reddick's got 13 points. And your favorite player, Ben Simmons, is the only starter not in double digits with eight. Ben yeah, Simmons makes sense. So they're rolling. Yeah. No, it's 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 pretty evenly distributed through the through the starters for Philly right now. They've only gone three deep on the bench: Mike Scott, James Ennis, and Greg Monroe. And then on Toronto's side, Kawhi's having a very good game. He's got 17 points. He's shooting 50 percent from the field, 50 percent from three point. Pa- uh, Pascal Siakam's got 14 points. He's 50 percent from the field as well. So I mean. Toronto still has a chance, but if they can't close this gap within the next eight minutes before the fourth quarter st- starts uh, and get this thing to at least maybe 12 points, yeah, hopefully hopefully some single digits, uh, Philly's going to go up 2-1. to one. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of Philly, but I've, I mean, I picked them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals before the season, before the playoffs started, so I think i got to just roll with them, but I'm definitely going for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I I predicted Raptors and Boston for the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. So I hope I hope the Raptors can pick it up so I can Philly's be right. Philly's just so tough. I mean, that starting five is so crazy. Um, yeah. They got they got such a stacked team, um, but Toronto is like a better like chemistry based like team. I feel like they play more together than Philly does. Yeah, um, and I mean, listen, playoff playoff Kyle Lowry has shown up again. Tonight with five points, one of seven from the field, zero of three from three point. I yeah, I don't man, know what it is. It's tough. It's tough. It's a, it's probably in his head at this point. Once it's in your head, that's uh, that's a battle. That's crazy, man. Like he, I I don't get it sometimes. It's it's mental. It's tough to play when you're in your head. Yeah. Plain and simple. So. I mean, you you think ultimately Philly pulls this out? I think ultimately Philly, yeah. You know, I I wanted to believe that Philly wasn't playing well enough to beat Toronto coming in the series, but 
when they got one in Toronto, I kind of yeah, I got got to go with Philly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So far, I've been yeah, Philly. Um, I think I'm gonna keep rolling with Boston. Yeah. Um, I like Boston to win that series as well. Yeah. So I mean, Boston and Milwaukee. That the one four matchup in the East. I said Al Horford was going to be the X factor when it comes to guarding Giannis, and boy did he lock him up in Game One. Giannis was yeah. seven to twenty one from the field. He had a minus twenty four in the plus minus. But then Game Two was the complete opposite of Game One. Yeah, the Bucks really took control in the second half. They outscored the Celtics thirty nine to eighteen in the third quarter uh, after a pretty competitive first half. Uh, the Celtics. They're not going to win a ball game when Kyrie shoots four of eighteen from the field. It's just plain and simple. Hey, Boston, oh man, I just—they're such a good basketball team. Milwaukee is too, um, and they're and they're only getting better. You know, Brogdon might be coming back. You know, Miritich is getting more and more. Healthy. I'm not sure Brogdon's going to be ready for uh, Game Three though. But no, but I mean, regardless, they're like getting better. Yeah. Um, Boston, though, I think is the smarter team. They got more to throw at them, and you know if. If Giannis isn't going to be, like, ready to shoot, it's just, like, you don't have to show him any respect on the outside. Well, I doesn't mean. doesn't matter how dominant he is, in you know, close to the rim. He's got to just, just to, just for, to draw the defense out, just to get some new action, you got to be able to, like, catch and shoot some jumpers. He's been, sh- he's been shooting, though. I No, I know, but it's, like, the hesitation to shoot, you know what I mean? Like, he needs, if they're going to sag off him, he needs to shoot it and make them come guard him. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, he hit one and... You know, Al Horford should not be able to guard you. Al Hor- The only reason Al Horford's getting away with guarding you is because you're you're letting him sit back and, and you know, use his length when you're closer to the rim. Yeah, I mean, in, in game two, Giannis was two of four from three. Because his foot... Yeah, see, you know... And it's not even necessarily three, just, like, top of the key, free throw line. Yeah. He's got to be able to just, like, step up and knock that down and pull Horford away from that bucket just as much as he possibly can. Yeah, but with, with the way game one and game two, with how, how both of those games went, with one being a Celtics blowout and two being a Milwaukee blowout, I feel like these are two heavyweights, and they both punched each other at the same time. They both are on the ground right now. Yeah, Let's see who gets up first this and finishes a, the job. This is a weird weird little series, you know. I really think this is part. This is more part about Giannis's legacy than anything. Giannis because, and Kyrie, I think. Well, I mean, Kyrie, I think, you know, he's going to have a short stop in Boston. But he's still got uh, a and, lot to and, prove. No, he does, but I don't think he's winning a title. So, like, I think the only major storyline to come out of the East is, like, Giannis is developing into the best player in the world. Yeah. Right before our eyes, he's learning how to uh, – he's learning where he, where he falls in the food chain, as yeah. Jurassic Park says, and I don't think you want to figure it out. You, you don't want him to figure it out because if he figures out how to close these teams like Boston, it's going to be scary. But ultimately, I think Boston's winning this series just because Giannis doesn't have enough help. And if Giannis has even an average game, they lose. Yeah. No one else on that Bucks team you can count on. Even if they have a, a big-time night and get 20, 25 out of somebody else, if Giannis is average, they lose. Yeah. I think this, game, uh, this series is going seven. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. I hope so, too. All right, now the last series we're going to talk about in the conference semifinals. Obviously, we can probably call this the Western Conference yeah, Finals. Yeah, for sure. The, it, it was always going to be this. Yeah. So the Rockets and the Warriors, KD's 35 points in the first game against the Rockets. 
He joined LeBron, MJ, and Allen Iverson as the only players in the last 30 years to score 200 points over a five-game span in the postseason. He's the best player in the world right now, hands down. I don't think so. I think this is just the moment we're in. LeBron's not playing. No. KD is. You know, it's easy. It's easy to do. I mean, I thought I thought KD was the best just, player in the regular season. Though. It's just like uh, it's just you know, last year the talk was LeBron and Jordan. You know, years before that was LeBron and Kobe. It's just the moment, and there's, it's as close as it's ever been. You know what I mean? Uh, this is the closest I think KD's ever been to LeBron's greatness, and KD's gonna is a top ten player of all time. Yeah, already. You know, he doesn't have like a ton. Of, there's not a ton of space between these two guys. In the all-time rankings, but I still think LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world. I, I just listen, think there's a lot of things LeBron can still do that KD can't physically and you know, defensively, team-wise, playmaking. But KD is the most unstoppable offensive player arguably ever. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've been having this conversation since we ranked – uh, the small forwards when I yeah. put KD one and you put LeBron one yeah. and yeah no and it, and it's a f- and it, this is like LeBron's down right now so this is the this is the time where you can you know throw throw the chips in yeah um, but I don't I don't believe that I don't think he's the best player and uh, Giannis is right there too well, I mean yeah Giannis is knocking on the door but I think obviously with KD's shot ability yeah. that's, he can get you a bucket and he can get you he can get you a bucket at any time. Um, but we're also, you know, I just think KD is like more limited in the, in the things that he can do than LeBron is overall. Well, I think LeBron gives you the better chance of winning a team game than KD does. Well, that's a completely different conversation. I think, well, the best, I'm just saying the best player in the world, I, LeBron's got all those things you want to say. I think LeBron's got the edge over KD other than. He's, he's got all the boxes checked. Uh, other than, you know, yeah, KD can get a bucket better than anybody. Yeah. Now, what if I told you before the you-know-who-I-am quote, KD was averaging 22 points per game in the postseason, and now after that quote, he's averaging 38.3? Yeah, dude, I mean, he's uh, we're, we're, in his, we're in his legacy as well. Yeah. Um, he's at a different point, but he's, he's trying to cement, you know, things no one's done. LeBron, you know, he wants to get that that three-peat. LeBron has never done that. Nope. That's something he's got on LeBron. LeBron's got three rings, so he'll tie him up there. Uh, You know, Kobe and Jordan did it. So, KD accomplished what he wanted to accomplish going to Golden State. But Oh, uh, yeah, by far. You know, I just think he's got a a smudge on on his record. You know, people are going to always – just not want to give him as much credit as he probably should get. And that's a shame. It is a shame. But, I mean, it's just – it's the dynamic of the situation. I mean, yeah. he he lost to a team that won 73 games, and then he went and joined him. Yeah. Now, a lot of this talk with this series has been about the referees. And I think the players and coaches did a good job in game two of really making it about the game. Uh, because all of the talk leading up to game two was about the referees and landing space and landing zone and all all of that different type of stuff. And it's it's unfortunate that it that it became about the referees and not about the basketball. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've developed like my my quote just on on Houston in general uh, and, and more so James Harden, I guess. But 
I just don't believe that you can uh I don't believe that you can rely on the refs to make calls. That can't be your game. Like if your game is relying on the refs to make calls, you're not going to win a seven game series. Oh, 100% uh, or 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 a championship. You're no. just not, you know what I mean? It's not if your game isn't based upon your performance and you're relying on someone else's performance, you're putting it into the hands of guys that aren't you. They're not your teammates, they're not in your, you know, circle. And I just think that's a a recipe for disaster and that's it's why you're not being rewarded because it's just like uh i don't know it's not a not a, not the right way to win win a game yeah it's it's a fine line because if the refs don't make calls you don't get like you what you're doing doesn't work exactly it's to me with james harden i'm all trying i'm all for trying to uh, draw contact but well, it's a fine line with working outside the rules, though, because. But but I'm I'm all for it. But this is the this is like the consequence for doing it. Yeah, you know what 100%. I mean. There ha- there there's a plus side to doing it, and that's that you get when you get the calls, you get buckets and easier buckets at that. And when you don't get the call, you lose games. Yeah, listen here. My thing with James Harden is, he would rather take a contested jump shot where he has the opportunity to get fouled, get the call and go to the free throw line to take a higher percentage shot than the original shot he was taking because a free throw is a higher percentage shot than a contested j- jump shot. And that's how he's been a success in his life. So why would he's been re- he he for the most part he was rewarded every night for yeah, it. Yeah, it's not pretty. And there's no point in changing if if they're not going to change. But this is what happens. I mean, this is what happens if you're going to rely on somebody else, sometimes you're going to get burned. Listen, yeah. Not not that it's right or wrong, they definitely miss calls. But they he, throughout his career he's gotten a lot of calls too. Oh, oh, he's gotten many calls. Yeah. But it listen, it's not pretty. It's frustrating to watch. I hate it, but it's effective. But this and but this is good. This is a deterrent. It's like, hey, listen, like we could do we could make our game about getting fouled to the rim and getting fouled on jump shots. Um, but if we do hang our hat on that, there's a chance that we lose a playoff game because of it. Oh, because of nothing that we do, everything we do is right. It's the way to go. They've lost two games already because of it. So I mean, it's uh you know you can't rely on the refs to win games and and expect to win a seven game series. No, you got to play. Uh, SVP did a nice little thing where he went through a bunch of shots. This was and this so, is exactly where. And so you know it's like hard and open, and he shows his takeoff and landing spot basically the same. You know in the in the phone booth, straight up and down. Yep. And when he is contested, how much he moves, but it's like I didn't need that. No, we, we already knew. We already knew that this is what he's doing. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I just don't feel bad for him. That's the thing. Is like I can't. I can't feel bad for you because this is like how you make your success is scheming the game, playing the game. Well, which it is a game. So you're playing the game, but you your game is is relying on refs, and sometimes they're not going to be in your favor. How close to the line do you think James Harden is to working outside of the rules of the game? He's not he's not working out outside the you rules. You don't of the think game. so? If they don't call a travel, it ain't a travel. Yeah. If they call a foul, it's a foul. That that's that's the black and white of the game. There is a ref involved. There's a human aspect involved. Yeah. It's never gonna be perfect. That's why you that is the deterrent. That's why you can't develop your game around getting foul calls. You can develop a piece of your game to drawing contact. I mean, Allen Iverson did that. Yeah. I mean, he made, he made a living trying to, you know, go into the lane and get contact. 
and people gave him more respect because he was a small guy going to the lane. But that's what he was doing. But that wasn't his game. That was that was a piece of his game. Yeah, I Harden's remember, game is getting to the line. I remember when Kobe and T Mac had that conversation on the jump, and we talked about it. And he was asked about James Harden play style because a lot of people it was during the whole streak, and he was getting close to Kobe and passing him and all of that. And Kobe said straight up, like, he's not going to win a seven-game series or an NBA championship with this play style. But that was a little different. That's like the isolated uh, guard at the top of the key. Um, I, I don't think he believes in, like, Houston's ball movement. And, and James Harden was right. He has to be a volume scorer, a volume shooter, isolated at the top for that team to win games because Eric Gordon was out, Chris Paul was out. Well, and you look at the way you look at the way Utah defended him in the first round. They were playing behind him and forcing him, forcing him to not be able to to have that yeah. step back yeah. and forcing him to drive They're to shoot to that floater. They're trying to figure it out. People haven't got the right uh, haven't got the right formula to figure it out. Um, but the refs got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean the refs got the whistle in their their mouth, so they got they all have, the power. They have exactly. That's why I don't feel bad. I mean, right or wrong. He he's relying on the refs to win games, and sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass. Most of the times it will. Well, I mean, the regular season got him to where he's at, but you yeah. can't you can't like like win a championship hoping the refs make calls. No, but all right, that's it for the NBA playoffs. It's it's going to be an interesting second round because of all the heavyweights that we got going up against each other. Yeah, I love it. Those three those three matchups are just. As good as it gets. Real quick, you got the Celtics winning. I have the Celtics winning. You have the Sixers winning. I have the Raptors winning. Yep. We both have the Warriors winning, and we both have the Blazers winning. Yep. All right. So we're good. That's so. Anybody keeping track at home? That's who we're <laughs> picking. Us honest. Yeah, keeping us honest. Uh, that's that's I've who we got. To, I've tried to roll as consistent to my preseason predictions as yeah. I could, but. I mean, it kind of obviously Portland and Denver fucked me on that one. <laughs> well, I also thought the Lakers were going to be the two seed. Yeah. Now on to the big three, because yeah, good stuff. The big three is, in my opinion, I think the next big thing, and all pun intended with that, because it's in their third season now. They just signed a deal with CBS to get all of their games live. They used to be uh, on tape delay or they were shot a day before and they aired the next day or whatever. So it's really evolving, and, and Ice Cube's really making it a legitimate league, and I, I love what they're doing with it. Oh, it's great. It's 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 for the fans, and it's for the players. It's like just Ice Cube is doing – Ice Cube knows what he wants, and it's what everybody else wants. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a legacy league. There's There's no youngsters. It's – He's doing it the right way. They're they're distributing the talent evenly. It's uh it's players get part of the profit. You know, players have part of the business. Like most of the money goes to the players, yeah. not the owners. You know, it's uh it's a bunch of names that we recognize and some that we don't. It's it's good basketball. Um, everything about it is he's expanding the league. It's I don't know if it necessarily has hu huge potential, but it's gonna be like a really like niche hooper hoop head thing that like all hoopers know the big three yeah all of them so there and were hopefully it becomes i think the the pinnacle like of what it could really become is something that is a checklist on all nba players to do list like once like, they get done with the league like i gotta play a big three season you know what i mean like that would be just like if every nba player walked walked away from the league and is like 
I I at least got enough to do another, you know. Yeah. You just get to keep seeing your favorite players and in a, in a light where they're more effective. Yeah, I'm and I'm also 99% sure the season starts the day after the NBA finals are yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and you know, the offseason of the basketball keeps getting better. Oh you yeah, know, the basketball tournament keeps evolving, and it's gotten better and better. Oh yeah, the the million dollar tournament that yeah. ESPN puts on. Yeah, yep, the basketball tournament. You know, the big three. It's, it's it's some cool stuff, and you know, three on three hoops is just in general is just like getting. It's big. in it's, the Olympics now. It's gonna be in the Olympics, and uh, it's gonna be on TV in America. It's gonna it's gonna get bigger. Um, they definitely have like room to keep growing. And it probably has to do with like more more teams, you know, and getting more and more close to like a traveling scenario. But as of right now, it's also cool because you get a bunch of teams in one venue. Yeah, a fan can buy a ticket and see four games. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's not a home court away team scenario yet. Right. Which, which you know, maybe the expansion is a, the wrong thing to do. Maybe it's right to keep it like that. Yeah, keep it more family, homegrown it's type thing. It's just like such a good league as far as like for the fans and for the players and for hoopers, you know, real hoop heads. It's just such a, a good, good fun league. Yeah, so the draft was last night, and we, we covered it a few weeks ago. I don't know. I'm not really sure how long ago it was. Uh, we covered a lot of the names that were going to be in the draft pool. And there were some big names that uh, yeah. were were announced that were going to be a part of the big three this season. And so there were three rounds last night. And the first overall pick was someone we both brought up as someone we thought who could be really effective in the big three. Yeah, he crushed it. He crushed his shirt. The shirt was Oh, so the shirt good. was amazing. Uh, the first pick was for one of the expansion teams, the enemies. Uh, the enemies captain is the one and only Gilbert Arenas. Also on that team is Lamar Odom as a co-captain. Man, real quick, no chill, Gil. I'm always – I love Gilbert. I've met him. He's an awesome guy. Are you going to talk about – I know where you're going with this. The Vince Carter comment? Yep. Yeah. Hold on. We'll talk about that right. in a second. All right. But Royce White was the number one overall pick Yeah. for the enemies. So he's joining Gilbert Arenas, Perry Jones the third, who is also a co-captain. Lamar Odom's a co-captain. Royce White, Craig Smith, and Frank Robinson. Their coach is Rick Mahorn. Tough team. Uh, yeah. Uh, Royce White, the shirt he was wearing, it, it was an eye, a picture of a plane, and then here. Because obviously the story with Royce White was he had a fear of flying and anxiety, and that was really essentially why he got blackballed from the NBA was because no team wanted to pick him up because he couldn't travel. So there was a stigma around him. And he really kind of put that stigma to rest with the with the shirt last night on draft night. Yep, and he had a great quote: "I'm six eight, two hundred seventy pounds, and I'm a point guard. There's only two two of me in the entire world, and the other guy lives in Hollywood, aka LeBron James. Um, so he's got confidence still, and he yeah. dominated at, at in uh, Big Ten basketball. So he can play. He's gonna he's gonna. I mean, that team's gonna be tough. Yeah. All right, now." Let's go on to Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, Gilbert just made a comment that Vince has basically taken a spot for someone that it's someone's dream. Someone's dream could come true if he wasn't on the roster and that he's lived the dream for 21 years. I just thought, I, man, I just it's didn't. In poor taste. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't like that. I didn't think but, that was It's like, dude, it could be, it's Vince Carter's dream, too. He doesn't owe these kids anything. Yeah, do um, you? I mean, are you and shocked? He, are you shocked that it came from someone like Gilbert Arenas, though? No, he says stuff like that. I mean, when you say when you say he's a strong, he's got a strong opinion, and a lot of ninety nine 
percent of the time I agree with him. Yeah, for sure. But I mean that that team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now another big name in the top three, and it was actually a late addition apparently to the combine, but it's Larry Sanders, former Milwaukee Bucks center. Yep. Uh, which I think is really cool. Yeah, he just walked a- away from basketball in his twenties. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I'm not, I don't like it anymore. Well, it was a lot of mental health stuff, and he basically – I was listening to a, to a podcast. I can't remember which one now. But they basically said he quit because he couldn't smoke weed. Yeah. Oh, it was it was Mike Tyson's podcast. Yeah, he had Metal yeah. World Peace on. No, I know he was a big-time weed, weed head. But basically the weed helped with his anxiety and everything yeah. like that, and he just – he kept – failing drug tests yeah no and, and i know that he had a bunch of problems with that so it was like easier for him to walk away than just to like do all this shit but obviously he didn't have like a strong strong love for the game yeah now he's on the same team as rashard lewis reggie evans mahmoud abdul raouf uh larry sanders trey simmons and mario chalmers was also picked by that team and the head coach is gary payton so, yep. so that's going to be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, that team's been together for a long time, Rashad. Yeah, that's Re- that's an original team. Yep. That, well, and the those top three guys have been on the same team all three years. Yeah. And then the fourth pick, former Laker Josh Powell. Yep. That's so that's pretty one. cool. He's on the killer threes. He's probably one of the younger guys in the league. Yeah. So he's on the killer threes, which is Steven Jackson, Metta World Peace, Frank Nitty. Josh Powell, Dante Green, C.J. Watson, and their coach is Charles Oakley. And I think Killer Threes were one of the better teams last year. I'm not too sure on that. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But Frank Nitty was announced as a co-captain of the Killer Threes, and I'm so happy he's getting this opportunity. Yeah, it's cool for him, too. He's got to be just like – it's got to be a kind of a whirlwind of emotions. Just because he was out of basketball and basically got talked back into it by a streetball league. Yeah. And and now he's and now he's playing with NBA guys. Yeah. The the one I thought was cool was Greg Oden. At number seven, yeah. yeah for get, the aliens. Just uh get getting him on the court is gonna be good. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he does. Never seen him play. <laughs> just kidding. I've seen him play. Do you know who's on his team? Yeah. Andre Owens, Kendrick Perkins, Shannon Brown, Brandon Rush, Robert Vaden. That's a that's a good one. Their coach is Nate Tiny Archibald. Yep. That's that might be uh I think they were new last year. No, that's a new team this year. That's a new team this year. Yeah. Yeah, this is such an awesome league. But I think did Power win it last year? Power won it last year and they didn't get to pick. Uh Yeah, cuz they're bringing back Glenn Davis, they're bringing back Chris Anderson, they're bringing back McGetty, Katino Mo. The whole team's coming back. Key Rich. Oh, so all six of those guys were yeah. on the team. Yeah, so basically the rules for the big three is the champion gets to keep their team. Yeah, that's pretty legit. And then you always get, and you get uh, dibs on your captains too, I think. Yeah. And then, so to go back, Lamar Odom getting a chance to play competitive basketball again. Yeah, big uh, time. It's That's huge. I'm I'm so happy for him for everything that he's had to go through off the court. Uh, I mean, he's ar- I mean, he's arguably got the best NBA career of anyone in this uh, league. So, yeah, I think he might be, I mean, Baron Davis, Gilbert Arenas, Jermaine O'Neal, Joe Johnson, those guys, Mari Stoudemire, those guys had great careers, but yeah, this triplets team is the one I think I would have to go with though, to win it all. The triplets. Yeah. Just, I mean, Joe Johnson and Al Jefferson, 
fuck. Gennaro Pargo, Chris Johnson. Those Alex, guys. Their coach is Lisa Leslie. But just Joe Johnson and Al Jefferson were playing NBA ball like two years ago. Yeah. So and I mean Joe Johnson, I think he's got to be. I think Joe Johnson and Gilbertine has got to be the best um, scores in the league, right? Yeah, probably. So. No, I mean, listen. Uh, I'm ex- I'm excited for I'm excited for the season, and I I I'm definitely excited to see where this league goes. Yeah, I definitely I think they're coming to LA, so I definitely want to try and catch catch them when they come to LA this year. It'll be fun. All right, now. Enough with basketball, because the the more time goes by, the closer we get to actual football season. Yep. And now that the the NFL draft is officially a week behind us, yeah, we can kind of digest and. Really I've watched the NFL draft for like twenty years, and you and missed it, and I missed it. Did you enjoy Endgame? I fucking loved Endgame. Everything about it, I'm it glad. was perfect. I'm glad. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to movies. Well, okay. That's that's uh, that might be. Hey, it. I missed the NFL draft for this. All right, that's pretty I big. Even, I didn't even wasn't even thinking about it. I wasn't well, even thinking about the draft. The thing with the thing with watching drafts is it's like it's not really exciting to watch a draft. No, I mean it's way better to just like look at the results. I did watch. I did watch some of like second, third round. You know, second day, third day stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely missed the first round. Uh, so I had to. I had to. You know, look at the results, but. I mean, NFL never, never fails. It was a great, great draft again. Yeah. So obviously, Kyler Murray went number one overall, and then the next day, Josh Rosen was traded to the Miami Dolphins. Josh Rosen posted. Oh yeah. He posted a very classy video message thanking the yep. Cardinals, yep. wishing Kyler all the luck in the world. I'm always going to root for Rosen to succeed in the league. Uh, I hope he kills it in Miami, and I hope he beats the Patriots twice a year. He's got a great opportunity there to have a crutch um, with Fitzpatrick and to come in, you know, come into the team with Fitzpatrick in the same year so they go through it together. Yeah. And, you know, there won't be any – I don't think – you know, I think it's a toss-up of who's starting game one right now. Definitely. And so uh, this is going to be good for both those guys and – you know, they probably both get an opportunity to play throughout the season just because I don't think Miami's necessarily going to be a great football team this year. Yeah, I definitely think they're they're probably going to share snaps. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, I just think that, like, because Miami's not going to be winning a ton of games, right? you're going to switch up your quarterback at some point during the year. Well, and obviously so. take out your quarterback early in the game if it's a blowout and yeah. things like that. But now with Kyler, he's – He's the man in Arizona. Yeah, it's his no, team. It's, it's great. They did. I mean, if they're gonna do it, they did it the right way. And uh, honestly, Arizona, um, they went down as I think, I think they were a top two uh, team in the draft this year. Really? They were. They were that good. I mean, just because I got to agree that Kyler Murray is the the guy there. You know, I got to go with they. They think he's the man. So if they got their guy at quarterback. The other pick um, that was big time to me that they took was their fourth round pick. This was a guy that I like. I follow him on social media. He's like a physical freak. His name's Hakeem Butler. He's a wide receiver from Iowa State. Mm-hmm. He's 6'5", 230, and he's like super dynamic with the ball up in the air. So, uh, and then in the second round, they went and got the um, Byron Murphy kid from UW, who I think was first round talent. And, you know, not only has UW been putting out DBs for years, um, what's the God? The coaches, the coaches escaping my mind. 
the um, the Boise State coach. Oh, I know who you're talking about. But he's been putting DBs into the NFL for years too. So for them to get the two most, I think the the two most expensive, or two of the three most expensive positions and a quarterback and a cornerback, and to get another big time receiver with Larry Fitzgerald in the fourth round. It was the first pick of the fourth round, which to me tells you that he probably should have gone second or third round. Yeah. Um, I just think that the Cardinals killed it. Um, they did. They 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 rocked the draft. I, assuming that Murray's the man. So who was who was the other team that you had? <sighs> Seahawks, dude. Oh, okay. So we'll save that for a yeah. second. We'll save that. Yeah. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. Who are who are the two teams you thought had the worst draft? Uh, the Giants. Okay. Completely fucked it up. Yeah. So what what the fuck are they doing with and, Daniel and, Jones and Oakland? Which isn't a surprise. I mean, they they do this. I've I've never. It's rare when I'm like, oh, Oakland killed it. Like, no, I'm always just like, man, they fucked up. What are they thinking? Okay, so let's talk about the Giants. What were they doing taking Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins? The issue is, is and a lot of people have said that, is like even if he was the guy, like even if he turns out to be good and you're starting quarterback for a number of years, you could have got him with another pick and you could have went somewhere else. That that was just the – they could have traded back maybe four or five picks if it didn't come – feel comfortable at 17 they could have done so many other things just be you know they were obviously confident in the quarterback that they wanted but i have they have to know that nobody else had that much confidence in this kid that was i don't think anybody had that much confidence and so it's like this kid's just doomed from the start i think uh he was drafted too high he could have been drafted by the team without taking him at that pick um he's gonna play He's going to get thrown into that fire. The only thing is is that they got Saquon, so it might give some but consistency how do you, to the team. <laughs> What's, how do you justify taking Saquon last year and then taking Daniel Jones this year? It's like you had so many quarterbacks. other quarterbacks last yeah. year. Yeah, You blew it. I mean, they blew it. I think that they fucked up. Even if the kid – the kid's not going to be great. I don't think the kid's a franchise quarterback. Not at all. And, and now you got – you know, even if he is good, there's never going to be that love, and there's always going to be that question from the New York fans. Well, I, it, it's crazy how similar it is to the Porzingis reaction when they drafted him initially. Obviously, Porzingis changed the the narrative well, because the he's Knicks a great didn't player, have, and the Knicks didn't have another top ten pick. Yeah, and other people knew who Kristaps Porzingis was NBA wise. Yeah. You know, this is not but just Christoph's that, Porzingis. But that whole, like, booing on draft day, that no, whole No, New scenario. York always does that shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, they got they got smart, smart sports fans in New York. Yeah. People know what the fuck they're talking about. So they're going to ask a lot of their franchise, and they should be winners every year. That's how they think. So um, they're going to be harsh on, on draft day. But the Giants completely blew it. Oakland completely blew it. Um, <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> Reaching too high on a guy, it's not like the guy's not going to be good, but he just they they went way too. They should have traded back. That's who they wanted, or done something, gone somewhere else. Uh, but I think that they blew that. And then the uh, the running back that they took in the first round is a guy that split carries with two other running backs. Yeah. He was a third of a running attack at Alabama. Yeah, and it's just like Alabama running backs don't necessarily have the best track record. No, they, they don't. took him in the first round. Listen, so Oakland <laughs> and uh, Oakland and New York, F. <laughs> the Raiders had an infatuation with players who played in the national championship game. The Raiders selected Clemson D end, uh, Cleveland Farrell, Clemson cor- cornerback Trayvon Mullen, Clemson wide receiver Hunter Renfro, 
an Alabama running back, Josh Jacobs, who we were just talking about. I feel like Gruden was just in the war room, just like, oh, these guys played in the national championship. They're good in college. They'll be good in the NFL. Let's take them. I just think sometimes with these geniuses of of their 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 sport or their craft, you know, they overthink it too much. Sometimes they overthink it, and I think that uh, I think that he for sure overthink overthought it. I think Al Davis used to just pick people based on their physical skills, and that's yeah. why they're always doing stupid shit. You know, all. Uh, Jamarcus Russell. Well, Jamarcus and, Russell never and, watched film. And but I mean he was a physical specimen. And and who's the who's the receiver? Darius Hayward Bay. Oh, he, oh my goodness. He you was know, supposed to be something. Sebastian special. Janikowski. Hey, get, shout out Sebash. He's just retired. Shout him out. But they reach on players, you know, yeah. because of their physical gifts. Um the other I think Oakland dropped the ball just as much as uh, as new york did although new york is going to be a bigger repercussion because it's a quarterback yeah 100 percent. now this was the first time in the super bowl era that no players from either ucla or usc were taken in the first two rounds the last pick of the draft was the cardinals they had the first pick of the draft they had the last pick of the draft what do you know the cardinals took ucla tight end caleb wilson as mr irrelevant uh, if he had not been selected, it would have been the first time since 2012 that no players from UCLA were selected in the NFL draft. He was the only one. Only one. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Now, the other highlight, and this is where we can uh, jump into the Seahawks as your other A-plus team in the draft. Uh, the, other, the other thing that caught my eye from the draft was the video of DK Metcalf walking into his interview with the Seahawks and he came into the interview shirtless because a, a scout talked him into it and Pete Carroll was shocked and then upset and so he took his shirt off uh <laughs> to try and compete with DK and I I don't think he won that battle no uh, DK is the man I mean I'm so I'm so happy he's in Seattle I think that's he's he's like the big name in the in our like draft that you know is a good reason why I think we were one of the the two A's, but uh, I mean, I think strictly because I look at it from this perspective, we had four picks before the Frank Clark trade. Yeah. We picked 11 guys, 11 in this You draft. drafted 11 guys? We drafted 11 people. Wow. I knew we were going to make trade. I knew we were going to dice it up and get picks, but we got 11 guys. Wow. And not only, I mean, you know, not only that, that is like our team, our, my faith in like John Schneider and Pete Carroll, they draft so well in the middle rounds. They got a ton of middle round picks. Um, that's like the big reason why it's not like I can sit here and tell you like, this guy's going to be clutch for us. This guy, there are some guys that I think are going to be big time. We got my, my big concern outside of an edge guy was a big receiver mm -hmm. because we have all like small speed receivers. Yeah. You we got, got that big receiver. We now. got who could arguably be the best receiver in the draft in, in the second round. Um, we flipped a bunch of picks uh, and we've drafted just so good in these fourth, fifth, sixth round that I believe that we got, you know, we ended up getting two, three starters in this draft that we probably wouldn't have got when we only had four picks. Yeah. So I think that that's more like the effort that we put into the draft and the names that we did get. We got our edge guy. We've got our big time receiver and we got a ton of other guys. Yeah. You filled all the holes you needed to. Yeah. And, and only one. And we only took one seventh round kid, which normally I think seventh round like draft pick percentage. 
like to make it is like ridiculously low. Yeah. But this kid's gonna I think this kid's gonna play. We we've got a big time hole at wide receiver and we don't you know, we carry a ton of receivers normally. Yeah. And we took three in this draft and one was in the seventh round and he's like a five nine like s- scat, you know, slot receiver. I think he's gonna make the team so in the seventh round. So I think the, the Seahawks killed it all, all the way around. Yeah, I mean and and I probably could have given out more A's if I knew, you know, teams' needs like right. I know the Seahawks. Right. Uh, you know, the Cardinals were an easy one because I think that they just like when I looked at their picks, almost every single pick was just I think the, the right pick. Yeah. It was an impressive pick to me. Um but the Seahawks, yeah, just being able to flip four picks into 11 and being a good drafting team. You know what I mean? That'd be like if the Spurs had if the Spurs had three picks between 20 and 30, you know what I yeah. mean? They draft so well right there. It's like you're going to get a stud. Yeah. Now, for me with the Rams, I'm a I'm a little disappointed. If I were to give them like a letter grade, I'd probably give them maybe a C plus, maybe, maybe a B minus. Yeah, I'd probably go lower the way you were talking, honestly, because I think C plus, B minus, you still did things Here's like. A, yeah, I mean, listen, we – you just don't know if these guys – you don't know these draftees well enough. Right, and and you kind of you kind of mentioned it is you don't really know – you can't really grade a draft, especially in football. Till hindsight. Till three years from now. Yeah. And so. we had a second-round pick, a third-round pick, three third-round picks, a fourth, a fifth, and two sevenths. We made three trades with the Patriots, swapping picks yep. back and forth throughout the days. Our first overall pick was a guy, a defensive back from UW, Taylor Rapp, who, from, My guy. What, from what you've been telling me, is it's a great, great, great pick. I love Taylor Rapp. He was, uh, he was my favorite player from the, like uh, from the University of Washington's team. He's a, a big, tall, long, skinny safety. Uh, he's going to add a lot of length, a lot of size to the safeties there, um, and he's a he's a good athlete and a tackling machine. He likes to be up around the line of scrimmage. He can cover well. He's got long, long strides. He's um, and he rocks number seven. Gotta <laughs> love it. Yeah, and I mean, I talked about it before the draft last week, and I said I felt like they needed to address linebacking and the front seven and the front four. They got two offensive tackles, one defensive lineman, a defensive back, a cornerback, a a safety, one linebacker, and then a running back in the third round, which I'll yeah. get to, I'll get to the running back in a second because I really want to talk about that and what that means. Uh, I just don't feel like they addressed enough of what I feel like they were missing. Yeah. And yep. listen, they, they addressed – And that's how you should grade a draft. I mean, you should look at it from what, what position group did we try to make better. And I think at the end of the day, all the picks that we made, they're all – depth players they're not gonna see time right away we have players established in all of those positions yeah you guys don't have a ton of minutes to go around exactly so i feel like we could have done a better job with with using those picks to get to get better yeah i and like i said i didn't look at the rams at all so this is my first look at at their their line and i mean you remember what i said what i said they have to get size and a tackling machine at linebacker yeah and and like you said as well and because their their weakness was when teams ran the ball and got physical with them, they their team was ba- like made to stop the pass, and they didn't draft a linebacker until the seventh round. And he's six one. And he's well, and like I just said, seventh rounders are basically you know undrafted free agents. Well, as far as the success rate of making a team, 
and the story with this seventh round pick, Dakota Allen from Texas Tech, he was on last chance you. Yeah. So I think he could be good. Like I think he might he might actually be one of the one of the guys out of this. I list mean, he's got like, a, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot to fight for. Yep. So I I I like that about him. I've seen I've seen him on tape because I I watched Last Chance U. He's a good player. No, but the, but you're right. This isn't these aren't the positions that you would have liked to see. I mean, why you know? We just signed Eric Weddle. We have Aqib Talib. We have Marcus Peters. I don't know why we went after cornerbacks and safeties and defensive backs. The defensive back, especially with the first pick that we had. The third round is tough. I mean, Taylor Rapp, if you need if you feel like you needed a safety, I really like Taylor Rapp. So like I, it's hard for me to say that that's a bad pick, even though it might not necessarily be the right pick. Yeah. Uh, but he'll definitely help you in the run game. I mean, I think he's going to be a I better. Hope he, I, I hope he's he gonna works be, out. I think he's going to be a better, you know, tackler in the run game. And so is Eric Weddle. I mean, now you have two like excellent yeah. tacklers. Eric Weddle's uh, gonna, at man. safety. But your third round, th- three third round picks, running back, cornerback, tackle. And that's r- probably where I would grade you grade it pretty low because it's not bad to take a tackle in the fifth round, a D tackle in the fourth round. That's where you can take, you know, try to take some talent, the most talented guy you think's there. Right. But the third picks, those third round picks, those could be starters at the linebacker position. And the fir- and the first pick uh, in the third round at seventy for the Rams was Daryl Henderson, the running back from Memphis. And the Rams tried to play it off like, oh, that doesn't mean anything for Todd Gurley. But, I mean, I I got sirens going through my head right now that they drafted a running back in the third round. Something's wrong with Todd Gurley and his knee. Well, that, that he can't – he cannot be a third – he can't be like – he he can't be Zeke and Saquon and Gurley anymore. It can't be like that. You know what I mean? It can't be just all all him anymore. Uh, it, 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 he's going to break down. He probably does have damage. This kid, though, well, the Rams keep this saying this is the, the right. This is the this kid, though. Daryl Henderson is the right type of back. He's I the mean, right he's type a, of back. He's yeah. a fight, a short guy that's going to be involved in the passing game. Right. No, I get all of that. I'm more concerned about Todd Gurley. I don't care about this rookie running back right yeah. now. Well, it's got to wait and see. I mean, yeah, the last football that you saw him play wasn't great, but he's had a lot of time to rest. He's had a lot of time to work on it. Well, and the Rams and they're going to change it. He's not going to get. He's not. It, I mean, even before this draft, even before me see seeing them taking a running back, just from the playoffs, you know he's going to be more of a two down guy. Yeah, I just it's it's nerve wracking for me when when your best player you're you're drafting the yeah. same position as your best player, and and you've been as a front office and an organization trying to put up this front saying no, our our best player is okay, he's a hundred percent healthy. Just, you need two running backs though. I mean, you you could be looking into. We have too Malcolm much. Brown. We had C.J. Anderson. But I mean, well, C.J. Anderson played so well that he went and got paid. You're not going to get him. The other guy, I don't know if I necessarily. Well, like. no, we chose Malcolm Brown over C.J. Anderson because Malcolm Brown is now healthy. Yeah, and and so it's like this guy's just going to come in and mix it up. He's not a first round pick, not a second round pick. Um, I I think I think it'll be all right. Gurley's going to be productive still. He may have a little injury, but they're going to work it out. He's, he's got the best best in the world. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really too thrilled with how they drafted. No, I, and and like I said, I wouldn't necessarily be either. But I wouldn't, to, as far as Todd Gurley goes, I wouldn't necessarily be hitting the panic button yet. Well, we'll see. But yeah, but. Th- there was a, there was some other good picks though that that I want to give a shout out. Um, in the first round, particularly the Washington Redskins, I think dominated. Yeah, they did very well. Um, I didn't really like what they did after, so I didn't give them the A, but. 
their first round they crushed it they got haskins who wasn't supposed to be there um so they definitely threw, shouldn't so have they, been there. I, they threw arguably the best quarterback in the class in their team um and then montez sweat was a huge huge l a huge huge edge talent i mean he's one of those edge guys that you always you know six five six six uh you know 250 plus pounds uh, athlete on the edge but he has like a heart condition oh man so like it's kind of they're just like on the fringe that's why he dropped to 22 i think this kid's like so washington i think could have potentially haskins and it depending on what team drafts number one could have been the number one pick yeah you know and then this sweet kid i think could have been a top 10 edge pick mm. so i think they really got like value were where they got their guys um i think that the uh the Buffalo's first round pick was a huge, huge get. They got Ed Oliver from Houston. Oh yeah, that's big time. Uh, to replace Kyle Williams, who just retired, and to be in that cold weather environment where that that defensive set front seven is their identity. Um, that Ed Oliver and Buffalo is is a match made in heaven. And he's got he's he's got a chance to really make that his defense. Marquise Hollywood Brown going to Baltimore. That's legit. He's gonna shit on the Steelers. That's gonna every be, year. That's gonna be a fun one to watch. Uh, and then like later down the draft, the other guys like I thought um, Drew Locke going to Denver. I love what John always being finally he's being aggressive. He's not fucking around anymore. Yeah. He's finding his quarterback. He's he signed Joe Flacco. He drafted Drew Locke, who's a first round talent. Pro, you know, a lot of people thought he was a first round talent. Um, so you know now he's gonna have three four quarterbacks in his camp that and you know at least two that i think got the potential to play some games uh will greer i wanted to shout out will greer from west virginia i was a big fan of his in college he's going to carolina to back up cam newton oh that's cool not a bad gig no not at all um and then like some of the later picks i i liked cincinnati to grab a quarterback and they got one in the fourth round ryan finlay from uh nc state he could see action this year that so he's got me. he's kind of a quarterback that yeah he was taken in the fourth round but he played at NC State played at a big school had a lot of success um, and he's a and he's a big guy I think he's someone that could actually play this year yeah it wouldn't, it wouldn't not shock that I'm me. a big fan of his I just I when I saw that I thought he could play yeah and then he's, uh, he's got the chance to play because Cincinnati Andy, hasn't yeah, really been able to count on Andy, Andy Dalton yeah I think Andy Dalton's days are numbered especially with the new coach um, and then. My last shout out of the draft. Uh, I was super stoked to see this one. Gardner Minshew. Yep. Uh, the Wazoo kid getting drafted to Jacksonville. Um, going back to the South. Uh, you know, we know what Gar uh, Jacksonville. That's a good fit for him. Yeah, I like ja that. Yeah. He, so I think he's going to be able to uh, to compete to be the backup there. Yeah. No, I think he could win the backup job there. So shout out, you know, my, my ever so often shout out Washington State Cougs. <laughs> Now they got two backup quarterbacks in the league. Hey, now. All right. Before we get out of here, you want to guess the score of the 76ers-Raptors game? Uh, well, Kawhi's my dog, so I'm going to go with Toronto's down six. It's a lot more than six. Damn it. It's 112 to 90 with two minutes to go in the Damn fourth quarter. It. I was really just trying to be optimistic. Oh, 114 there. to 90. My, my computer just refreshed. 114 to 90, minute and a half to go in the game. You got a shout-out before we get out of here? I do, I do. Uh, high school basketball, uh, Boogie Ellis decommitting from Duke. That's my dog. Uh, Duke sucks. Uh, forever fuck Duke. This kid's a stud. Um, he decommitted from Duke, like I said, just because of the late signee from Cassius Stanley, I'm assuming. Yeah, signing a player to the um, same position because he Well, he no, it, I mean, I think he's a guard, but I think because Trey Jones is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
they're there's like, not enough I, minutes. He was the one. Well, I think the fit, he became the fifth guy. He became that fifth freshman. So I think he would end up coming off the bench. Oh, jeez. So I think he decided not to come off the bench. Um, so there's there's a spot open. Where's he gonna um, go? I got a couple a couple universities that I think that are 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 cool fits. All right. Um, NC State. NC State because it's just down the road, yeah. uh, just down Tobacco Road, and Jalen LeCue, uh, one a, a kid that was a high school basketball player, I was a big fan of his. He was committed to NC State. He's a ball dominant guard, just like Boogie Ellis. He was committed to NC State. He actually got he was a fifth year senior and he and he uh, fought to get into the NBA draft and he got in. Yeah, so, so he's so his scholarship's open. So that's where kind of where I thought that okay. kind of fit. But um, I also I also like Vanderbilt with Jerry Stackhouse, okay. Mem- Memphis and Penny Hardaway. Okay, you know those those like those um, those like NBA those younger NBA players that are coaches. Yeah, uh, and then like the final the final one uh, Minnesota just because of Isaiah Washington Jelly Fam yeah. transferring from Minnesota. Yeah, that's a guard spot open. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. To most see where importantly, he goes. he's not playing for Duke. You always love when a player chooses somewhere else besides Duke. I do. It, it, literally anywhere. Yeah. So, all right. My shout-out is to former Laker, now Net and Snitch, as always. <sighs> always going to be labeled a snitch in my yeah. book. D'Angelo Russell. He was cited at LaGuardia Airport in New York for having marijuana in his bag. Uh, he had it in a fake Arizona iced tea can, uh, which had a hidden compartment, which was discovered after his bag was searched. Uh, when it was flagged going through the machine. How dumb can you really be? You're only allowed to take three ounces of closed liquid on an airplane. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's so funny. And Arizona iced tea is at least 20 ounces. It's just funny because I haven't heard that perspective of the whole, like everyone's just like talking about how he got caught, but no one's like bringing up the fact that like he tried to hide it in something you couldn't bring in anyways. Yeah. Like, and yeah. It's re- like literally you, you literally put it in something that they would have picked out even if there wasn't weed in it. Yeah, and realistically, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but it's the truth and it's it's what happens because there are stories of this. How does he not have a fall guy or have it in the homies bag? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's just all dumb. You, you're These guys are about, you know, they, they just think they're invincible. Or how do, you not have a connect, how do you not have a connect in the city you're going to? They don't ever expect that to happen. They're never expecting that to happen because it doesn't happen in their lives. It's just. They go unchecked. It's so crazy. And. It's funny. It's, and this is the perfect time. And it's the perfect scenario for all of the D'Angelo Russell denouncers and haters to come out and be like, this is exactly why Magic traded him. He doesn't have leadership qualities. Yeah, he's no. not. He's not smart. Yeah, he's, no, I, I, he's he kid. doesn't put himself in good situations. Yeah. And realistically, societally, this isn't a big deal in 2019. He brought some weed to the airport, but he's an NBA player. He's a professional athlete. He's going into re- restricted free agency. He's probably going to go into the NBA drug program now. He might get suspended. This is all going to affect his contract negotiations this summer. Yeah, but <laughs> but so what are you going to do? Anyways, with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on social media, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholki. 
All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Anchor as well. We are now officially on Spotify as well. Just type in keyword TSK Show to find us. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.